everybody. Welcome back. We're so excited to be with you again this week on the Seek First podcast. We hope that you had a great Thanksgiving and that you were well fed and feeling very grateful. We know that we had a great time. We're still recuperating from all the food. This week we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump into the holiday spirit. We're kicking it off, you know, right after Thanksgiving people are more on board, (laughs) but in a little bit more of a non-traditional way. We're going to be looking at the um, just the Christmas story uh, that you could find it in, in Matthew, or you can find the account in Luke. Um, but a lot of times, you look at the Christmas story, and you, of course, we talk about Jesus and his birth, or we talk about Mary. There's the song, and Mary, did you know? We should title this one because we're going to kind of switch perspectives here. We should title this one, Joseph, Did You Know? Okay. We write the whole song. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not singing. <laughs> um, so, spoiler alert, Andrew gave it away. We're talking about it from Joseph's perspective today just because you don't hear many people, like, looking at him in the story and really thinking about it from his perspective because we see in the story where the angel appears to Mary and there's a larger portion of scripture that deals with um, her reaction and you even see her response and um, but with Joseph it only mentions uh, more of his response or his take in Matthew it doesn't really talk about it in Luke and um, it actually says that because Joseph um, was faithful to the law and he didn't want to expose her and disgrace her that he had in mind to divorce her quietly Um, so For those of you, um, most people know the story of the virgin birth. So they were engaged to be married and the angel comes to Mary and tells her that she's going to be birthing the Messiah. And so Joseph looks just as guilty in this scenario as Mary does. Um, And actually in this time, if you look at the Jewish custom um, engagement, like the betrothal engagement period um, was a legally binding uh, custom that was just as binding as marriage, right? Right. And so if they wanted to back out of the engagement, that meant divorce. Um, And so a lot of times in that time frame, um, the punishment was stoning. And so... To the the bride. Gotcha. Didn't know that. Yes. That was... uh, If there was... Well... Because of because of the circumstances there, because of what the divorce would have been for the fact that Mary was pregnant, and so the divorce would have been on the basis of, theoretically, that there had been other encounters there. Gotcha. And so, because of that, she would have been stoned. So, the stoning... So, like, adulterous? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Exactly. And so, the stoning, actually, that typically went based on whoever the fault of the divorce was. Gotcha. Um, and so... Looking at it from that perspective, Joseph is saying, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and back down. I'm going to remove myself. And then the scripture says that an angel appeared to him in a dream. And what's amazing is that when Joseph woke up, um, it says that he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. And so it was like, wait, you didn't even question? You didn't even for a moment like look around and be like, why? Why me? I mean, this is my opportunity. Like, obviously she's pregnant and she kind of can't get out of this, but I, nobody knows, you know, I mean, I'm not blood relation to this baby. I could get out of this scenario. Right. 
I think one interesting thing is if you study the the time frame of kind of everything that happened there is the angel appears to Mary. Mary finds out that she's with child and <laughs> um, tells the angel tells her um, to not be afraid and to communicate with her cousin Elizabeth, John yeah. the Baptist's mom. Who was with child at that time? It was very. <laughs> it's cracking me up with child. You're so sorry. Uh, uh, King James version. <laughs> KJV. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she was uh, the angel instructed her to go and and uh, talk to her cousin Elizabeth, and the the whole point of that is that the the um, man you've got me all thrown off now. Thinking <laughs> I'm trying not to say with child and be pregnant. Be, be KJV. Um, John the Baptist was he and himself was a, a a miracle happening a miracle baby. Um, Elizabeth was very old and was barren and was not supposed to have children. And so John the Baptist was a miracle baby. And so when the angel came to Mary, he said, "You know, take take courage, basically, and talk to your cousin because mm-hmm. she can she can kind of walk you through this." Yeah. And so I always knew that part of the study, but when we were reading it and I was looking at it, what I never realized is that like. I always thought she was like, go talk to your cousin Elizabeth, and she was like, walk down the street and knock on the door and like, hey, guess what? I have a miracle baby, too. Mm-hmm. And that was all it was. Well, in fact, Elizabeth actually didn't live close to her. They lived like a far distance apart. Mm-hmm. And so by the time she had traveled, she spent time with Elizabeth and come back. And if you study the whole time frame of it, before Joseph actually finds out, Mary was almost three months pregnant. Whoa, didn't know that. And so for Joseph... I feel like that would have been my first question is like, okay, you found out. And before you came and talked to me, you said, I'm going to go out of town and go talk to my cousin. Oh, wow. And then you come back and this is the first thing you say. And it's three months later. I'd probably be saying, number one, why didn't you tell me sooner? And number two, if the angel came to you and told you this three months ago, then how have I not heard anything in three months? Yeah. So not only is this situation complicated in the sense that it makes him lose his, his reputation, his social status, his standing, because it makes him look bad. Right. But the person that he's in this with didn't even come to him first. And right. so you and I would be like, I'm out. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> like, you don't even have the decency to tell me first. Yeah. But, I mean, it's the reality that Joseph had to leave all that was comfortable and predictable um, to answer this call that God had for him. And he discovered that, when you choose God's plan over your own plan, in the short term, and the immediate result, it a lot of times causes people to look at you differently. Sometimes right. they look at you like you're crazy. A lot of times they talk about you. Um, and it challenges your faith. Uh, Joseph had a quiet life. I mean, if you look at the scripture, you know, he just had a quiet life, a career. He was a carpenter. Um, he, was a, he just wanted to settle down with his wife, you know. He was about to just move forward with his life and then God pulled him right out of his comfort zone right um to take him to this to this calling and so I think it's just important to note here that there's so much more to this story than Joseph just picking up and and following yeah absolutely and I think it's I think it's also really important to note that I mean yeah it was exactly that as Joseph was giving up everything and walking 100% in faith. I mean, if you think of it, whenever in history, even up until now, did someone else walk up to who they're engaged to and said, 
I'm with child from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Probably anybody that heard that would be like, no, you are with crazy. And that is all <laughs> like that. That doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. Like there's, it's like, are, are you making this up? Like, that's the most ridiculous thing. Mm-hmm. And so for him to even consider this as a real possibility, something that no one had ever heard before, he was already grasping onto what little bit of faith he probably had. Yeah. And then when the angel comes to him in a dream, he had to believe that 100% that, okay, I didn't just eat some weird pizza last night, but mm-hmm. this was truly the angel of the Lord. This was really the will of God speaking this. And while Joseph was giving up everything, Joseph had such a key, important role that had to be a part of this story that had to be there because see all the way from old Testament, it had been prophesied that there shall come a Messiah and he shall be the son of David. Mm-hmm. And if you study, study the lineage of Joseph, Joseph was that bloodline tie to make him be the son of David. Without Joseph there, Jesus would have had no, there was no blood tie. There was no family link to make him the son of David. But Joseph was that lineage. Joseph was that piece that fulfilled that prophecy. He was that missing piece. Yeah, absolutely. And he had that opportunity to either promote God's will and forget his own, or he could promote his own will and forget God's will. Right. I mean, those are the two choices that we have. Right. And if he had disregarded God's will, you know, who are we to say? But, I mean, he was part of the the master plan that God had. Right. And in, in Romans, it makes me think of the verse in Romans chapter 8 um, that says, Moreover, who he did predestinate, predestinate, so did he also call. And whom he called, also he justified, and justified, glorified. And it's just that whole process of, like, like in the moment of Joseph answering that call, he probably wasn't thinking of what his predestination was. Right. He probably didn't feel like a person that was justified or that was going to be glorified, but right. he probably felt like someone that was going to be an outcast in That's that moment. True. The person that didn't matter. And really, if you look at the whole story, you don't see a lot of detail. You don't hear a lot about Joseph, but how important was his role? Not only that he was that family lineage that made Jesus become the son of David as prophesied and as told, but also just that he was the father, the earthly father that, that taught Jesus. I mean, you see, you see Jesus a few times before this is basically his birth. You see him as a child when they can't find him and he's in the temple. Mm -hmm. And then the next things you see of him is when he's going and calling his disciples and getting baptized in the beginning of his ministry you know, from, from what scholars say and from what studying is, and if you read, um, uh, I can't, I, I believe it's in the book of James or maybe it's John, but in one of those, it tells that Jesus was 30 years old when he started his ministry. Mm-hmm. So, so up until 30 years old, what did Jesus do? The Bible doesn't really tell us, but I would venture to say that he was probably a carpenter mm-hmm. just as his father, his father taught him that in the world and everything that you're doing that this is a career this is how you this is how you provide for yourself this is how you work this is what you do this is how you use tools mm-hmm. and there's so many roles that Joseph Joseph fulfilled there for 30 years of Jesus's life that we never see that we yeah. never hear the details of but if you subtract Joseph from that situation if you take him out then what do you have 
you have a lot of broken pieces and nothing fits together. Mm -hmm. Joseph was the key thing that held us all together. And that's exactly how we are today. As a church, as a Christian organization or a movement or whatever body that you're a part of, whatever whatever piece that you fit into, the church that you attend, the groups that you support, the small groups that you're in, every one of us are a part. And sometimes it may be discouraging to not feel like, to feel like we're, we're not the Mary of the situation. Mm-hmm. We're not what the spotlight is on. We're not the, the name that's mentioned over and over and over in the story from beginning to end. But rather our name is maybe mentioned once or twice and our details aren't given and no one really knows who we are. But I want to let you know your role is just as important. Yeah. And in fact, in Romans chapter 12, it speaks of the importance of the body and how we are all one body, but we are many members and every member has its part and every member is important and the body cannot function without members. And in first Corinthians chapter 12, it goes on to, it continues talking about this and there's even more, more detail that it goes into in verse 22 through 25 of first Corinthians chapter 12. It says that there is such great importance of the parts of the body that are the unseen and the ones that seem insignificant, that they are the parts that God honors the most. And I just want to encourage somebody that if you're, you feel like you're the part in your group, you're the part in your church family, you're the part in your, your team that you're volunteering in, or that you're maybe not even volunteering. Maybe it's a a paid part, a paid position, whatever you're doing. And sometimes you feel like your part is just insignificant and you think, well, who would actually miss me if maybe I didn't show up next week? Know that God sees your small part. Mm-hmm. And he says, I honor the small part more than I honor the one that sits on the front line. Mm-hmm. The small piece that nobody can see is the most important. And if you think about it in the terms of, of a physical body, we see our face and our skin and we see our eyes and our ears and all of the outside appearance but what is the point of your entire face if there were no muscles underneath it to hold it together mm-hmm. what is the point of your legs if you had no bone structure for them to stand up what is the point of your knee if there is no tendons there to pull it to make it bend and straighten back out over and over every time you take a step and we don't see those every day we probably don't think about those every day Honestly, we probably don't think about them unless they hurt. But, you know, when we do think about them is when they are hurting mm-hmm. and when they are missing. Because when we're, that's when we realize, wow, something isn't working here. Something isn't feeling right. Something feels like maybe it's falling apart or maybe it's missing. And if you're that insignificant part, if you're the part that maybe plays the background in the group that you're in, just know that your importance is far greater than what you could ever imagine that it is your part in the body God's God's kingdom cannot advance without you there and so stay strong in that part stay strong in knowing that I may not be seen I may not be the limelight of the story but at the end of the day I have my part and I'm going to continue fighting and I'm going to be that person in, yeah. in oh, absolutely yeah. everything Wow, that's so good. Because that is something that we all need to hear each and every day. Like, I would venture to say that this is something that you need to write down and you need to put it in a visible spot, like on your steering wheel, on your rearview mirror, on your mirror in your bathroom when you wake up every day. A reminder that you have value, that there is worth in you. And 
forget what anybody else says. And, you know, Andrew mentioned, you know, your role may seem insignificant, but it's not. It is essential. You are important. And you may be listening to this saying, like, you don't know me. You don't have any idea. What I do know is that you were made in God's image. And because you were made in God's image, he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't mess up. He he didn't just, you know, happen to make a make a mistake by making you and and don't ever feel that way. Um, Oftentimes it's, it's in those moments where we are sitting thinking, why, why am I even here? What am I even doing? What is my purpose? And then months down the road, someone comes and tells you, I just don't know if you knew this or not, but I feel like you're here for me. You know, a lot of times in that moment when we feel worthless and insignificant, those are the times when we don't hear it. It's later down the road. So be encouraged that you don't understand. You'll never know how far your impact is. Right. And and that's probably a good thing because that might slow us down or (laughs) make us look to ourselves and, and kind of take pride in that. But it's not, it's all the glory for God because of the way that he has designed and placed us and put us together. Um, and that just makes me want to kind of talk a little bit about, um, in terms of like your worth and, and where God leads you and what he calls you to do. Don't ever, I mean, we not don't ever because it's going to happen, but we all fall into the comparison trap. Like it, it just, it happens every day. It's so easy to look to the left or look to the right and, and see other people and say, but what about them? Why me? Look at what they're doing. Why don't I get that position or why don't I get to participate in that way? And it can be so easy to question. Um, And actually, last week we talked about in John chapter 21, the story um, where the disciples have been in the boat and they catch the fish and they bring them in and they see Jesus after the resurrection. And we talked about the, the part, the portion of scripture where Jesus asks Peter if he loves him. And, um... Peter says, you know, of course I do. And it it happens three times. And he tells him to, well, feed my sheep. And then um, Peter goes on to um, say, you know, of course, you know, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. But what's really interesting to me about this portion of scripture that we didn't really talk about last week is Peter turned and saw John following them. And he looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter uh, saw John, he asked him, Lord, what about him? And so Jesus is telling Peter what he wants from him. He's telling him, do you love me? Feed my sheep, you know, telling him what's expected. And all Peter can do is look back to John, you know, the, the person that he's comparing himself to, the competition and saying, but what about him? Like, why aren't you telling him to feed your sheep? You know, what? why Why me? And Jesus looked at Peter and he said, if I want to remain alive until I, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Right. And so Peter got so distracted to say, you know, he's looking to the other disciples. And Jesus, you know, he might be looking at you today and asking you, Hey, I want you to go to that 
coworker. I want you to go to that neighbor and I want you to, um, I want you to cut their grass, you know, maybe not this time of year, or I want you to go to that neighbor and help them, um, put up their Christmas decorations or, you know, whatever the Lord's laying on your heart. And you might be saying, yeah, well, what about the other neighbor? They're way less busy than me. And Jesus is saying, what is it to you? You know, like, like what they're calling and what I'm asking them to do has nothing to do with what I'm asking you in this moment. And so we have to be so careful not to get caught up and to look around and, and ask those questions because I don't know about you, but I want, when I see Jesus, I want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yeah. I don't want him to have to say, well, you were too busy looking at what everybody else was doing and getting caught up in, you know, their highlight reels per se and what they were accomplishing and, you never once asked me what you were supposed to be doing. Yeah. That makes me think of the, uh, the passage in Matthew chapter 11. You know, you, you're talking about Peter's looking to other people and saying, well, what about them? And what, well, what about this, Jesus? Well, what about, what about these details? And how guilty are we of either looking at other people and comparing ourselves, or maybe just looking at a situation and, and thinking, well, this isn't what I pictured it. And it makes me think of the verse in Matthew chapter 11 when John the Baptist is in prison. John the Baptist spent his whole life talking about the importance of, you know, Christ is coming and the Messiah is coming after me. Yet then whenever he gets put in prison, he sends his disciples to Jesus to say, are you the one that is prophesied or should we be looking for another? And it's easy when the situation doesn't look like it should to look at the people around you and say, well, what about them? What about their situation or what about their part? Why can't they pick up this extra burden? But yeah, that's so true. And that's so challenging to to apply that to our life and think, how many opportunities that have I had that I've said, well, no, not me, maybe somebody else. I'm too busy. I've got too much or I'm not good enough or I don't, I don't have that skill set. And we've passed on the blessing of being used of God's kingdom for the sake of our own understanding or our own pride. Or reputation or, you know, what if Joseph had had that mentality? What if he would have looked and been like, hey, what about, you know, what about, I don't know, another person in that time? (laughs) Zachariah, who was about to have John the Baptist, I don't know. Um, But what if he had looked around and he had played that comparison game and said, you know, no, I don't have no wisdom. I can't do this. Right. You You have such a significant part and such an amazing role that is written in the book of God's kingdom that he is just waiting on you to operate in that faith and say, I don't really understand why, but okay, I'm going to follow after that. This doesn't make sense, but I believe it's the right thing and that's what I'm going to do. And you have such a significant part. God has such great things for your life, but it's going to take that moment of operating in that faith. It's going to take that moment of saying, I'm going to step outside of my understanding and my comfort. And God, no matter how small the role may seem to you, or sorry, no matter how small the role may seem to me, I know to you that you have a greater plan. I know that you have greater ways. And because of that, I'm going to follow after you and I'm going to dedicate my life to being what you have called me to be. Yeah, because the quickest way to devalue a calling or something special is to compare it to something else. Right, absolutely. What you have has value um, and and take, take courage, take joy and knowing that God has positioned and placed you and created you for exactly where you are. Right. For, for, for the moment that, that you're placed in. 
it was for you. Absolutely. If you find yourself questioning your role, questioning your part, the only comparison you should make is how does it line up with the, with the Word of God? Yeah. Dig into His Word, study His Word, take some time and pray and fast about it, and say, God, how is, how is my life and how is my role in your kingdom lining up for what you have called me to do? And let God challenge you. Let God set the mold for you. We hope that this episode has been helpful to you and has been a, a blessing and encouragement. And we just want to say, take time this Christmas to to just follow after God with everything. To take your role and, and embrace it and, and say, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what. And recognize that you're the missing piece of the puzzle. Not yeah. somebody else, it's you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button, find us on social media, and share this with a friend. We will see you next week. We're going to hop off before Andrew sings Joseph, did you know? <laughs>